0: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. To Taylor McCarg the ESPN, color analyst, joins us on 365 Sports. Taylor, what was your reaction, not to Michigan accepting what was going to happen with Harbaugh, but Today's news: A linebackers coach has been flat out fired because he did not obey with the rules of not talking about this with anybody, and he's gone. How deep then do you think this continues to go?
1: Yeah, I think um, Michigan accepting the three-game suspension from the conference felt like the ultimate. Okay, you got us. We'll take our we'll take our three-game suspension. We'll move on. Uh, and then it, it is interesting timing that immediately after that, uh, Chris Partridge is fired, and now you have the the reports that are being released of an Uncle T, the booster that is basically financing this because Connor Stallion was not uh, sending in any sort of expense reports, so someone was privately financing this. Look, it's you and we have talked about this a number of times over several weeks. I think there was clearly a line that was crossed here, but I got to be honest, I'm ready to move past it yeah, because yeah. Uh, it it feels like um, this does not warrant the amount of time we're having. We collectively, all of us, are having to spend on this. Uh, but you know, it, it is dominating headlines right now. My hope, honestly, is that over the next two weeks, we start to see upsets that shake up the the top eight or nine teams, and that that starts to dominate the headlines. But as it relates to Michigan, I I did think it was interesting timing that Chris Partridge was let go after Michigan came to an agreement on or decided that they weren't going to pursue pressing the Big Ten on the three-game suspension in-game for Coach Harbaugh.
0: Taylor, you mentioned those upsets. Uh, I would say the two with the biggest potential would be Iowa State and Texas and then maybe more so um, with Oregon State and Washington. Who do you think is more vulnerable?
1: Yeah, I would say it's Washington, but you know they're actually not, according to Vegas, Oregon State is favored, right? So uh, in terms of a poll standpoint and how things would shake out, I know Texas fans are obviously rooting for Oregon State. Um, Texas and Iowa State is interesting to me because Texas has, has struggled in aims. There's been a lot that's been made of that. I don't have the stat in front of me, but I, I think it's four out of the last six, or it may be five out of the last six that Texas has lost in Ames, and it's a tough place to play. And, and Iowa State, they have rallied the troops and are playing so much better uh, in the back half of the season from what we saw in the first half of the season where they, they lost. And obviously, the big one was to Ohio. The biggest difference to me, though, is uh, up front, Iowa State, I think, is going to have a really hard time with Texas, especially on the defensive line. That, that's the best front in the Big 12. And I, I that's the piece that I just worry about um, is Iowa State going to be able to put up enough points in the last couple of weeks where Texas has built these leads and then it's sort of fallen by the wayside in the second half. My concern is, you know, does Iowa state have the horsepower to even do that? If this gets to, you know, if it's a race to 30 points and Texas gets there in the first three quarters, I'm not sure that Iowa state can, could get to any, regardless of uh, if it's in the fourth quarter or otherwise, I don't know that Iowa state can get to a point total that has a three in front of it. So, uh, I would say it's Washington and Oregon State, and uh, look, I know that obviously Texas fans would love to see uh, Washington lose uh, to Oregon State.
2: Taylor, uh, Texas A&M decides to move on from Jimbo Fisher after the win on Saturday uh, not a surprising end result but just the timing of it and then you understand where we are in the calendar uh, but Jeff Trailer, a name that has already been reported to have interviewed obviously he just makes a, a ton of sense regardless but your thoughts on A&M opening up also a guy like Trailer being a candidate since you know UTSA pretty well and just your general thoughts on that job
1: well first off Paul I think we called this yeah. Right? Last week. We, we, yeah. we nailed this. All right. Pat on the back for us. Yeah. Um, look, I think the, the comment from Ross Bjork where he said they were stuck in the mud, from every Aggie that I've talked to, that sort of nailed how everyone in that program felt about where they were at. And as you look forward for a Texas A&M in the expanded playoff, they're still a ways away from being at an Alabama or a Georgia level. But A&M fans have this expectation of look, we, we don't necessarily need to be the dominant 12-win team, 11-win team next year, but we should be in a position with the resources we have where we can be a 10-win team and be one of the at-large bids that gets into a 12-team format. And and I tend to agree with them. I think you, in this world of college football where money can go buy you the best players in the portal, Texas AM is going to continue to accumulate talent. But it just the, the scheme was not. Jimbo, and it's uh, as you mentioned with resources, the program that could go out and can spend the amount of money needed to walk away from whatever the obligation was, maybe seventy-five million dollars, something like that. Uh, as it relates to, to Jeff Trailer, look, we covered him at number five, and there was a the post the American Conference that, uh, that knows him very well that
0: told us privately, like I think oh, yeah. Jeff Trailer. We, we hold on, Taylor. Just a second. We lost you a little bit. It, uh, hold on, Paul. You got him. We're going to try to. It went. It went. Uh, you know, remember back? That was a common thing when somebody's on the phone driving around the country and certain country roads, and you just in the trees or whatever, or in the boonies as they call it, and he just lost him. So or it's the Bluetooth it. connection, or uh, or yeah. yeah. So, just, yeah,
2: I didn't want that to go any longer without hearing his, his answer there because he started to dive into it, and that's a pretty interesting topic, and especially Jeff Trailer, his knowledge of uh, Coach Trailer. So I think we got him back. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Taylor, go ahead if you don't mind and kind of go back and summarize or say what you were discussing. You lost you for a sec. Yeah, <laughs> sorry.
1: Yeah, all good, all good. On Jeff Traylor, uh, I'll, I'll repeat because I think it's probably the most important piece. There was a coach that we have covered several times that, uh, referred to Coach Trailer as the ultimate motivator, and said that to us, he said, "Look, anybody that cross paths with him, where he, uh, whether that's a, a coach or, excuse me, his players or recruits or their families, they come away believing in whatever message he is selling to them." Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the biggest piece. His kids believe in him, and they play really hard. And everywhere that he's been, uh, whether that's from high school all the way through UTSA you can just see the belief in what he's built. The biggest piece to me, it just comes down to whether or not Texas A&M can get behind a guy that hasn't coached at that level before and really even close to that level. What he's built at UTSA is, is unbelievable, but the resources, the difference between what they have at UTSA and the expectations and resources at, at Texas A&M, I mean, they're vastly different. I do think out of everybody that, uh, that I of the names that I've seen that are realistic candidates, I would take him over urban Meyer. Uh, I would, you know, Dan Lanning's already said he has no interest. Uh, We've seen um, Lion's head coach, Dan Campbell said the same thing. (laughs) I I loved his comment. Hey, I love Texas A&M, but I'll do anything I can, I'll do anything I can do to help them except coach them. (laughs) Um, But I I think Jeff Traylor would make a ton of sense. I think it would be a great hire. The only thing I worry about is just there's so many A&M fans that uh, they want to be great right now and they want a name. He's not that on a national scale. But I'm a huge Jeff Jeff Fairley fan. I think it would make a lot of sense.
0: Taylor McCark with us on 365 Sports from ESPN, broadcast color analyst on TV. So right now, if you were in that room when they do the college football standings, there seems to be a chunk of, what, six or seven teams, six for sure, maybe eight. How would you go one through not four, but one through five as of right now with the evidence we have?
1: I think Georgia's the best team in the country. I think they're the deepest roster. They've been there uh, even when Brock Bowers was out and the offense was struggling. You've seen them step up. Carson Beck has played fantastic. I would go uh, Georgia number one. I would go Michigan number two. And, and one of the things that I, I really look at for Michigan is they went on the road and figured out pretty early on that Penn State was not going to score on them and did not have a forward pass after seven or so minutes in the second quarter, which is one of the most unbelievable stats that I've seen in a long time. Um, so I'd have Michigan two. I would have a, <clears throat> excuse me Ohio State three. My concerns for them are on the offensive side. I think that problem answers itself because I think Michigan beats them in a couple weeks. Uh, and then behind them, I would have Florida State. So I know that's not – it goes fairly chalk with what we've seen from the poll. I would just switch up Michigan and Ohio State in the CST rankings. It would not – if if you put Ohio State at four behind Florida State, it wouldn't necessarily bother me. Um, but you have to give Ohio State credit for the win, so they do have uh, both over Notre Dame and over Penn State. Behind them, the Pac-12 is interesting because uh, it's, it's similar to Oklahoma and Texas, where I think the better team is the one that lost. Uh, Oregon, to me right now, if you played them heads up on a neutral site, would be favored over Washington. And same for Texas over OU. Now they're they're obviously ranked well ahead of Oklahoma now. Uh, but look, the, the the beauty is, as it always is, we will see this play out over the next few weeks. But there is absolutely a scenario where Texas wins the Big Twelve with one loss over Oklahoma, and they still don't get in the College Football Playoff.
0: Yeah, I. I kind of want to see how their fans react to that. (laughs) That'd be awful. Yeah. I don't want to see that. That would be something you probably thought you would never see. Just because. You know, because we've even heard back in 14, had it been Texas or Oklahoma in that mix, one of them would have gotten in. And uh, that would be, oh, my God, uh, all hell would break loose. Our chat room with UT Parking and Sandra Green and Paxton, would, I mean, others would just go nuts. Well, I mean,
1: look through if Oregon – they play Arizona State this week on the road. You assume they'll win that game. If Oregon State were to beat Washington, and let's say it's close, and then the Pac-12 championship is a rematch still of Washington and Oregon, and Oregon wins that game in a blowout, Oregon is already ranked ahead of Texas right now, right? So now you've got to win over a team in in Oregon State. You've got to win – over the team that beat you earlier in the year. And if it's dominant, especially, I'm not sure that Texas would be able to jump them because a a lot of it is due to the Big 12 hasn't been great this year. And then the the disaster ahead of them would be Georgia wins out, Michigan and or Ohio State wins out, and Florida State wins out. Now you would be banking on, is there a way that you can jump Oregon? And and in the case that I just mentioned, if they go back-to-back Oregon State and wins over Oregon State and Washington – I'm not sure that it happens. So they need – Texas needs some, some chaos ahead of them.
2: Taylor, uh, I want to ask you about a game out of the American, SMU. Uh, pretty good year for Rhett Lashley and company. Won't be surprised if we hear him in some of this, this carousel talk, but they've obviously got a lot in front of them with the ACC. Uh, but a big game tomorrow uh, against Memphis. Uh, they're close to double-digit favors. Do you see it being that type of a game? I've seen some others that feel like Memphis has a better shot, but uh, where do you stand on that?
1: Yeah, we had Memphis a week ago at Charlotte and it's a, it's a really solid offensive team. Seth Anigans playing really good quarterback play. Their challenge is on the defensive side. They are the last three weeks really getting pushed around up front and SMU. I mean, just go back through the last few games in conference play. The only one really in the last several weeks that's been close was at Rice when Preston Stone, their quarterback went down. I think SMU is the better team. Uh, I have my pick right now is that UTSA and SMU are are playing for the conference championship in a couple of weeks. Um, So I I think SMU wins this game. I would be surprised if they don't cover. I think this is probably a two score win because, again, Memphis really struggling on the defensive side. We again, we had them against Charlotte. Charlotte, really not a very good offensive team. And they ran for well over 200 yards on the ground. So uh, I think SMU wins this game pretty convincingly.
0: Taylor, is Rice going to become both eligible? They got it. They got two left. They got to win both of them.
1: God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, you know, you go back a few weeks ago. The loss to UConn is still just so tough. Uh, how that went down. The the benefit for Rice is they've got two of the bottom teams in the conference down the stretch. Uh, on paper, they should beat Charlotte, but look, that line opened at five and a half, and now it's down to two. So. Uh, Charlotte is, they play hard. It's a good defensive front. Rice is going to have their hands full. And if JT Daniels, especially, if he can't come back from the concussion, I think they're in trouble. And then if they if they get out of there with a win, they got FAU next week. And uh, I'm sitting here in Boca Raton. I've got Tulane and FAU. If FAU can somehow come away with a win over Tulane, then it becomes Rice and FAU, the battle for bowl eligibility. So we'll see. I would love for them to get back to Uh, ball eligibility and, and not get into a ball on a five and seven season.
0: Enjoy Florida. Thanks for your time.